Foundation Church. Good to see everybody here on this final spring break Sunday. Um, they wanted to use me for a body double for that uh, video, but I said, no, I'm more than just a body. I have a personality and feelings. Um, you cannot use my body. Um, Hey, today, before we get into our message, a real quick announcement. Um, I'm gonna talk about Easter. We're a month out from Easter, believe it or not, which is crazy. Um, but Easter time is a busy time, um, and we have a great thing happening here at Foundation Church. Here's what I love. You guys are being found people who are finding people. We are a growing church right now. And we believe we are better together. I love all the check-ins that are happening. We're actually having people come because you're checking into Facebook and telling people about how much you love the church and what God is doing here. Um, and you guys are actually inviting your friends and your neighbors and your coworkers, and it's awesome to see. And new people are coming. In fact, we had two pizza with the pastors within the last two months just because we've got an influx of new people. So keep it up. But here's what's happening Easter Sunday is that we are moving for that Sunday only to to three services. We're not like going to start three services until we need to, but that day we need to have three Sundays. Um, and I, I'm going to tell you something. I'm going to stick to it. I did it on Christmas, uh, our, our Christmas service. Our services this day will be one hour long. Some of you are like, shut up, you're a liar. They will be one hour long. They're usually about an hour and 15. They will be one hour Long And um, if you can come to one of these, start inviting people to come to service. Um, but we need some of yours help. We need help, especially in our children's ministry, specifically for that day at our eight o'clock service. And some of you are like, but, 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 but I'm at the 1045 service right now. Um, that's eight. Jesus isn't awake then. Um, if you would be willing to help out that day, it would help us a ton. We want you to serve one, attend one. That would be awesome. Maybe some of you, you are gung-ho, like me, and you're like, I will serve two and attend one. That's even better, um, because we can't have enough greeters. We can't have enough parking lot attendants um, for these services. So if you would be willing to help us out that day, that would be awesome. Today, we start a new series called The Strong Man and the Circus. A strong man and the circus. And this is going to be a study about Samson. And in this process, you probably have heard, I heard this quote a few years ago, actually from my dad. Um, he said, not my monkeys, not my circus. And I'm like, what? What does that mean? He's like, not my people, not my problem. I was like, that is awesome. I love this quote. Um, and, and some of you, maybe you have used the quote, not my monkeys, not my circus. And you're like, that, that's a good thing to feel. Like you're like, ah, oh, that's not my problem. That's not my monkeys, not my crazy happening, not my drama, right? Not my circus. But what do you do when it is your monkeys and it is your circus? Because can I tell you, monkeys act like monkeys. They get crazy. They start flinging things. I mean, you just don't want to be like, they're cute until you get up. What do you do? How do you operate when it's your monkeys and it's your circus? What do you do? Because here's the deal. We, we know the story of Samson, most of us. We, we understand that he was a strong man, but he allowed the circus and his monkeys to distract him, sidetrack him, and eventually destroy him. And how do you get through life not just being a strong man, not just being a strong person, but being strong even in your circus? Today I want to talk to you about anger. 
We're gonna talk about tempers. And some of you had a fight. You did, first service did. I told them I was gonna blame them in this service. So, um, you know, you, you were driving to church. Your kids did something. You're like, shut up. Just sit back there. We're going to church and you're gonna meet Jesus today. You know, you, you lost it. There was a moment. <laughs> something happened at the house getting ready. You and your spouse, I'm, I'm ready. Are you ready? I told you I would be ready in five minutes, but five minutes in women's time means 15 minutes. Like it's been five minutes. <laughs> been five minutes, 10 minutes ago, lady. You know, um, and how, 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 how do we control our anger and our temper? And today, here's the a, here's a good news for you. If you have an anger problem, if you have a temper problem, um, you're not gonna feel like a loser when you leave this place, okay? You're not gonna be like, I'm the worst person in the world. God does not love me. His love is not so high, so deep, and so wide. Um, it's <laughs> what you said during prayer time applies to, no, 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 no. We're gonna talk this out um, because the reality is most of us at some point in time, we're gonna deal with anger. We're gonna deal with our temper. And if we don't, learn to deal with it correctly, it's going to have a residual effect on our entire life. Um, in this vein, I found a quote that is awesome because a lot of us, when we're dealing with our temper, when we're dealing with our anger, we do this. Well, if they didn't do this, then I wouldn't have reacted like that. If they wouldn't have been so dumb, then I wouldn't have been so angry. And so if that is you, here is your quote. It says this, I wouldn't have to manage my temper if people could learn to manage their stupidity. Um, for some of you, you need to take a screenshot of that and just be like, yes, this is my life verse right now. Um, this is my motto through life. I wouldn't have to manage my temper if people could learn to manage their stupidity. And here's the deal. Um, you can't, I saw somebody just take a picture of it. That is awesome. Um, you just don't send it to somebody. See, I told you. Um, but here, here's what... Um, the, the good news and the bad news is people are gonna be people. And that's a good thing at times because people can be really, man, thoughtful. They can be kind. They can be loving. And it would be really tough and difficult to go through life without other people because one of our core values is we believe we're better together. However, in that togetherness, People can be selfish, they can be mean, they can be what the Bible calls self-seeking, they can be rude, and they can be, let's just be honest, they can be stupid, right? We do stupid things. We do, we stay stupid things that right when it leaves your mouth, you're like, oh, why did I say that? We, we can, so, so here's the deal. As much as you want to, as much as you think you are gifted to, you are never going to be able to get rid of stupid people, right? You're never gonna be able to get rid of people who annoy you even though you think, I am gifted to rid this world of annoying, stupid, it's not gonna happen. It's not. So how do we function with other people? And I got news for you. For some of us, for a lot of us, it's not other people. It's us. We just have a temper problem. 
And we just want to dismiss it and say, well, that's the way God made me. No, that's just who you've settled on being. So how do we function and we become this strong person amidst the circus happening around us? I want to give us three truths about our temper. The first one is this. Tempers get revenge. Self-control brings restraint. Tempers always are looking to get revenge, but self-control brings restraint. Our text today is very lengthy. It's Judges chapter 14, the end of it, and it goes right into chapter 15. And as we get ready to get into our text, um, let me kind of set this up a little bit for you. Um, We're dealing with Samson, we know that, but Samson has decided um, that he is looking for a woman. He's looking for a wife, and he found this Philistine girl that he decided needed to be his wife, even though his parents said, no, that it's not the person for you. This is not a wise decision. She serves other gods. She's doing all this. And it says this, but he decided she looked good in his eyes. And we're going to talk about that next week. Not living life based on what looks good in our eyes, but living life based on what God says is good and is right. It's going to be a good sermon next week. Invite somebody with you. Um, But He decides this is a woman. His parents, even though they could have refused, and sometimes you just gotta step up and be a parent even when it's not popular parents. Instead of refusing him, even though they had every right, they went and got her. And um, the Philistines are like, okay, we're gonna give you 30 guys to be your groomsmen and to hang out with. And one of them was his best man, which is really kind of a weird deal. Um, But Samson's a cocky guy, and so he approaches these 30 guys and like, hey, I'm gonna tell you a riddle. And if you guess this riddle, then you have to give me, you know, presents. You have to gift me this bet that they made. And they're, they're like, but if I lose, I have to give it to you. And he told them this riddle, and they couldn't figure it out. They couldn't know what was going on. And so finally, these Philistine men come to his wife, it's always, he's already married, his wife, and say, listen, if you don't tell us the meaning of this riddle, if you don't find out the answer, We're gonna burn your house down with you and your dad in it. And so she goes and starts whining to Samson. Oh, Sammy, tell me, tell me, Sammy. What is it? What's the answer to this riddle? And um, it's my best woman voice I've got. Some of you are like, no, your normal voice is pretty good. Um, But... She, he, he's going, he's talk, she's talking to him and give me the answer. He finally gives her the answer. She goes and tells the, the Philistine men what's going on and they come and answer the riddle the last day that they could answer and it sends Samson into a temp, temper tantrum. He gets enraged and he says this, okay? This is how you know Samson's mad. If you wouldn't have messed with my heifer. He's talking about his wife. Now men... Just telling you, you may think you are a strong man, but you ain't Samson. Your body cannot survive you calling your wife a heifer, I promise. See, amen. Right on cue. And so Samson calls, you meddled with my heifer. He goes and kills these 30 guys, takes their clothes and their possessions and brings them in and we pick up right here. But Samson was furious about what happened. And he went back home to live with his father and mother. Didn't say anything to his, just left. I'm so mad, I'm just gonna leave. I'm not gonna deal with this. I'm just, I'm just going. 
And some of you, that's where you just, you just blow up and you leave. You leave things unresolved. Things are, people are like, so we're not bros anymore? What's going on? What's happening? We good? No, not so much. And so he leaves, went back home to live with his father and mother. So his wife was given in marriage to the man who had been Samson's best man at the wedding. We're gonna get to that in a little bit. Later on, during the wheat harvest, Samson's so stupid, Samson took a young goat as a present to his wife, and he said, I'm going to my wife's room to sleep with her. Now, if I called my wife a heifer, bringing a goat as a present ain't gonna fix it. And he brings this goat in. I'm gonna go into my, my wife's room to sleep with her, but her father wouldn't let him. I truly thought you must say to her, her father explained, so I gave her in marriage to your best man. But look, her younger sister is even more beautiful than she is. Marry her instead, father of the year. I know you have rage problems, but here's a better one. Just trade it in for a newer, better model. This is how my brain reads the Bible. You're welcome. Um, Samson said, this time, I cannot be blamed for everything I'm going to do to you Philistines. And can I tell you, when you have an anger problem, this is how you operate. When you have a temper problem, this is how, I, well, can't blame me. Can't blame me for the way I'm about to act because you started it. You, you deserve it. I can't be blamed for what I'm going to do to you Philistines. Then he went out and caught 300 foxes, which blows my mind. How do you do this? He tied their tails together in pairs, and he fastened a torch to each pair of their tails. Then he lit the torches and let the foxes run through the grain fields of the Philistines. PETA is protesting. Um, he burned all their grain to the ground, including the sheaves and the uncut grain. He also destroyed their vineyards and olive groves. Who did this, the Philistines demanded. Samson was the reply. Because his father-in-law from Timnah gave Samson's wife to be married to his best man. So the Philistines went and got the woman and her father and burned them to death. Because you did this, Samson vowed, I won't rest until I take my revenge on you. Then he went to live in a cave. Then he went to live in a cave in the rock of Edom. The Philistines retaliated Oh, excuse me, I skipped a verse. Verse eight. So he attacked the Philistines with great fury and killed many of them. Then he went to live in a cave in the rock of Edom. The Philistines retaliated by setting up camp in Judah and spreading out near the town of Leah. The men of Judah asked the Philistines, why are you attacking us? The Philistines replied, we've come to capture Samson. We've come to pay him back for what he did to us. So 3,000 men of Judah went down to get Samson at the cave in the rock of Edom. They said to Samson, don't you realize the Philistines rule over us? What are you doing to us? But Samson replied, I only did to them what they did to me. This is how revenge works. This is how anger works. Well, well I only did to them what they did to me. They, they, they started, this is how we say it now. They started it, I just finished it, right? That's how, that's how we're raised. Boys, men, we're raised. If somebody starts a fight, boy, you better finish it or come back bloody. <laughs> and they started it. I'm a, revenge, you start something on me, revenge is twice as bad, right? That's what, you prank me, I prank you even harder. We're raised this way. And Samson has an anger problem, has a temper problem. 
And temper always gets revenge. And Samson didn't care about his ex-father-in-law, his ex-wife. Apparently, he still loved her. He didn't care that it was, he showed no remorse, no regret. Like, man, my actions caused this to happen. He just, I'm gonna get, you burn my wife? Now I'm gonna really get angry. Now I'm really gonna get back at you. You burn them? He didn't, he just was constantly getting revenge. And hear me, when you surrender to temper, to your anger, and it's all about revenge, you don't care what it costs you and how it hurts others. And hear me, you getting revenge, your temper, your anger, always hurts others. And when we have an anger problem, when we have a temper problem, we have a big problem when it's not fair. When it's not fair. Well, that's not fair. Well, you can't treat, that, you can't treat me that way. It's not fair. Well, I didn't do that to you. That's not fair. And when we start operating in a fair world, we're operating in a dysfunctional world. Because can I tell you, life just isn't fair. It's not. It's not fair. Hey, kids. It's not fair. Your parents eat things when you go to bed. (laughs) It's awesome. Sorry, Charlie. Not fair. I know. I bought the groceries. You're eating my groceries. That's not fair. You need to pay for something. Not fair. Life, life's just not fair. But when we try to make it fair and live in a fair world, we make everything dysfunctional and unfair. It's almost like it's almost like when you are deciding you're at a restaurant and they say, Do you want dessert? And you're like, Yes, I do. The best answer ever. And they say, how many spoons? Anytime there's more than one spoon, it's getting ready to get real unfair, right? Especially when there's four of us and every one of us loves dessert. And so what happens is you get your spoon and you're at battle. I mean, you better eat it. You're not enjoying it. You're just eating it as fast as you can because you want to make sure your sister, your brother, your spouse doesn't get more than you because you can't break, you cannot break it down to where it's fair. Somebody's going to get more. It's going to be me. Somebody's going to get more. Right? And, and, and now when we share desserts, they're like, Dad, you're eating it all. I'm like, shut up, kids. You know, I'm just, we want it to be fair, but you can't break dessert down and you can't live life in a way that is fair. You're going to be frustrated. You're going to lose it. You're going to lose your anger, your temper, all the time because you want a fair life, but life's not fair. Can I tell you, it's not fair that Jesus Christ, the Son of God, died on a cross for my, all of our sins, and we're all forgiven. That, that doesn't equal, but I'll take that trade all day long. It's not fair, but that's life, and you've got to decide, am I responding to situations that aren't unfair, that are, to situations that are unfair, or I'm, or am I reacting to them? Because if you're reacting, there's no self-control and there's no restraint. You're just boom, getting revenge. Boom, they say something mean, you're right back at them. Boom, somebody does you wrong, you do them wrong. You're just reacting. You're reacting. You're reacting. But if you've got self-control operating in your life, it brings restraint, which means you are starting to respond to the situation, 
You're starting to respond to the negativity. You're starting to respond to the stupidity of others. Let's just be honest. You're starting to respond to the annoyances. You're starting to respond because you're all of a sudden tired and cranky. It happens, adults. You decide to respond because self-control is in the driver's seat instead of anger. Bible says this in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 11. It says, when I was a child, I spoke and thought and reasoned as a child. What does a child do when something's not fair? <laughs> they go crazy, right? They throw a temper tantrum. They get mad. You can't reason with them. When I was a child, I thought, I spoke and thought and reasoned as a child. If you're just looking at getting back at them, you're acting like a child. You're reasoning like a child. You're, if, you, if somebody cuts you down, you're just bam, right back at you. Just It's words flying everywhere. You're speaking like a child. But God hasn't called you to act, to speak, to reason, to think like a child. He's called you to become a man of God and a woman of God. It says, but when I grew up, I put away childish things. Well, Justin, you don't know how long I've been dealing with this. I put away childish things. But you don't know what they said. I put away childish things. But it's not fair. I put away childish things. It didn't just go away. You were purposeful in putting it away before the childish things put away your relationships, put away your friendships, put away the opportunities that God was sending your way. But because you were more about your temper and your anger, getting revenge instead of self-control, bringing restraint, you decided to act like a child instead of growing up and becoming the man and woman that God has called you to be. And instead of reacting, you start learning to respond. That only happens when you put away childish things. And Samson, with all the ability, all the talent, all the strength in the world, never learned to put away the childish things. The second thing I would tell you is this, is temporary tempers can cause permanent damage. Temporary tempers can cause permanent damage. Damage. Um, many of you know that I coach my youngest daughter's basketball team. And if you're this is your first time here, you're new here, there's only one way I know to preach, and that's to be transparent. Um, I am definitely not perfect. I am not uh, just, I'm a, I'm a man, I am 40, I'm a person, and I, I try not to present anything else. And um, I got my first technical this year at my nine-year-old's <laughs> basketball game because I was having to deal with some stupid people that were dressed in black and white jerseys calling with whistles. And what was happening, I'll, I'll kind of give you the, the, the down low here, is, is we're playing a team in Broken Arrow, and I will tell you, their team was good. They're, they were a better team than us. However, they were walking all over the place. And at one point, I'm like, hey, 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 hey. If we're just walking, we might as well just play lacrosse because this is not basketball. It's pretty fundamental. If you walk, you got to call traveling. May have been that animated with big eyes. 
So I've already made my voice known very well. And I'm talking to the refs. I'm like, dude, you got to call it. What? This is what did it. Still makes me so mad. One of their players gets the ball, and she dribbles, and she stops. Now, if you don't know basketball, I'm going to teach you one lesson real quick. If you pick your dribble up, you can shoot it, you can pass it, you can pivot with it. you got to leave one foot down. You cannot run with it. You can't jump with the ball. You can't decide to give it. Anyways, you, you can't do that stuff. And the girl stops. She goes up. She comes down. No call. And then our girls play, we could stop playing defense because they're like, that's traveling. She shoots, she makes a basket, and they go ahead of us. And I go, are you kidding me right now? You got to call that. And I may have thrown my water bottle behind me. <laughs> I'm like, you got, that's traveling, and she scored because you stink at being a ref. <laughs> <laughs> You had to sit down, the rest, don't talk to me, don't talk to me, sit on the bench. I'm like, make me. You know, I didn't say that. I was thinking it. Right when I got the technical, I was, Chloe was right there. She goes, ooh, dad, you got in trouble. People start texting my wife, your husband just got a technical. I show up the first time to see my wife and she's like, so you're throwing water bottles and getting a technical? I'm like, people are exaggerating. It was not that bad. Bunch of people are being pastors. <laughs> Here's the deal. The reason I tell you that story, the girl that went to shoot the free throw shots made both of them. And I could be nice all I wanted to be for the rest of the game, but they're not taking those two points off the board. There was damage that couldn't be undone. And today I'm not talking to you about a nine-year-old's basketball game. I'm talking to you about relationships. I'm talking to you about life and opportunities. That if you have a temporary temper and you lose it for a moment, man, it can cause permanent damage to your relationships, to your opportunities, to your life. Well, Samson says this in Judges 14, 19, 20. It says, but Samson was furious about what happened. And he went back home to live with his father and mother. So his wife was given in marriage to the man who had been Samson's best man at the wedding. What a jerk move, right? I mean, that just stinks. Are you kidding? You gave my wife to my best man? Are you kidding me right now? It's wrong. This is wrong. The ref was wrong. Let me clearly define that. If you're watching online right now and you happen to be the referee, you were wrong. <laughs> but just because it's wrong doesn't give you permission to be wrong because it won't make anything right. Just because the situation's wrong, just because another person is wrong, doesn't mean you get to be wrong because it's not going to make anything right. It's just going to damage the situation and the relationship further. I love this quote. It says, anger doesn't solve anything. It builds nothing, but it can destroy everything. It can destroy everything. In just a moment, you say something. You call your kid that name. 
You react to your spouse. Sorry can only go so far, but sorry doesn't always fix everything. Oh, hear me, there's grace for the moment. There's amazing grace that you, when you find Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, but there's still damage that has been done. There's damage. When you said that, well, I really didn't mean it, but they, that's damage that they took on. There's, there's opportunities that you have closed because your temporary temper brought permanent damage. And your anger, anger just destroyed everything that you really, truly cared about. Don't get caught up in a temporary moment. Don't allow the feelings that you're feeling in that moment lead to permanent damage that you're gonna have to deal with the rest of your life. Listen to what the Bible says in Proverbs 14, 29, I'll amplify it. It says, he who is slow to anger has great understanding and profits from his self-control but he who is quick-tempered quick tempered exposes and exalts his foolishness for all to see. The third thing I would tell you is this. You can control your temper or your temper will control you. Anger really isn't the problem. Every one of us in this place, we are going to get angry. We're gonna feel angry. You're gonna have a righteous indignation. Some of you are like, I just have a righteous indignation. No, you got a temper problem. There's a difference. <laughs> you're, you're, you're gonna feel angry. You're gonna get upset. Somebody is going to do something wrong and you can't just expect yourself to be like, oh, okay, that's, that's great. No, 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 no. No, you're gonna get angry. Anger isn't the sin. It's how you react in the anger that leads to the sin. And it says this in Ephesians 4, 26 and 27. It says, and don't sin by letting anger control you. When you can't control what's coming out of your mouth, when your mouth engages before your soul, when your mouth engages before your mind, you're letting anger control you. Don't let anger control you. Don't let the sun go down while you are still angry, for anger gives a foothold to the devil. For some of us, you know what our problem really is? It's not, it's not that we have temper tantrums, it's not that we lose it. It's we just suppress it and we hold on to it. And we let it just set in, like a stain on a shirt. I don't know if you guys are sloppy eaters, I'm a sloppy eater. <laughs> When something gets on my shirt or on my pants, I've got to get to it quick because if I don't, if I allow that stain to stay there, it's going to set in and it's going to ruin the whole wardrobe, the shirt, the jeans, whatever it may be. Can I tell you, some of you, you have let that anger set in and it's led to resentment and it's led to bitterness. And when you get really bitter, it's really hard to get rid of. It's really hard to get rid of. And you've been hurt. And you got angry about what they said. You got angry about what they said to your kids. You got angry about what they did to you. But you never dealt with it. And you let it set in. Can I tell you, when, when, when I get some sort of stain in, I try to get to it and we, you shout, right? You shout it out. Shout, shout that thing out. Wow, wow, wow. Shout it out, Casey. Wow, you know, bam. 
You shout it out so it can get rid of the sting. Can I tell you, self-control is the shout to your anger. It is the get it out, don't let it set in to your life. That is your personal relationship with Jesus Christ. You don't let, self, you don't let that anger get a foothold because when you let anger get a foothold, it becomes a stronghold in your life. It starts affecting relationship after relationship, opportunity after opportunity, and all of a sudden you've allowed the circus to distract you and destroy you instead of being strong despite the circus you find yourself in. You gotta shout it out. You gotta allow God's word to permeate deep into your heart. I'll close with this. Because here's the deal, I've told us truths. Well, here's truths about anger, here's truths about temper, but some of you, man, you've tried. You've gone to counseling, you tried anger management, you've watched the movie Anger Management, it's not what you thought it was. Um, you, have, you have done things and, and tried things and it doesn't seem to be getting any better. What, what do you do? What do you do? Well, here's the great news. If you're a follower of Christ, Paul says something so powerful in Romans chapter six, verses seven through 13. He says, for when we died with Christ, we were set free from the power of sin. And since we died with Christ, we know we will also live with him. We are sure of this because Christ was raised from the dead and he will never die again. Death no longer has any power over him. When he died, he died once to break the, sin, break the power of sin. But now that he lives, he lives for the glory of God. So you also should consider yourselves to be dead to the power of sin and alive to God through Christ Jesus. Do not let sin control the way you live. Don't let anger, don't let your temper control the way you live. Don't give in to the sinful desires, the sinful feelings, the emotion of the moment. Don't let any part of your body become an instrument of evil to serve sin. James said, if you think you are religious but can't control your tongue, your religion is a joke. Your relationships, if you can't control what comes out of your mouth and yet you're a follower of Christ, you're kidding yourself. It says don't let it control, don't let any part of your body become an instrument of evil to serve sin. Instead, how do you get past it? Give yourselves completely to God. Give it away again. Give it away again. I tried, give it away again. Every morning you're gonna have to give it away Again, for you were dead, but now you have new life. So use your whole body as an instrument to do what is right for the glory of God. You're gonna have to wake up and daily give it away completely. Surrender your body completely. That's how you stay a strong person in the midst of the circus. Let's pray. Lord, we love you. We thank you for today. And God, in this place, I, I pray, Lord, anger is going to be a part of a life. It's going to be part of relationships. It's a feeling. 
But Lord, I pray that we would not let anger control us, but we would take on our spirit-led nature that is in Galatians chapter five that talks about the fruit of the spirit and what our life is supposed to look like as a true follower of Christ and exhibiting the fruit of the spirit and that being patience and kindness and self-control, God, that we would let self-control have control. And not anger and not our temper, but we would yield to you once again. And that God, we would come once again to the cross and daily we would completely surrender ourselves. Because God, if we're gonna live this life out and be the strong person you've called us to be in the midst of every crazy thing that's going on, in the midst of the circus of, of life, we can't do it unless we die daily so that we can live daily through you. Lord, I pray no matter where we're at, what's going on, that we would surrender it and we would give it back to you today. In Jesus' name I pray, with heads bowed and eyes closed, if you're here today and you say, Justin, I'm here and I've never asked Jesus Christ to be the Lord and Savior of my life, we wanna give you that chance. If you're here and you say, Justin, you know what? I, I, I just need to recommit my life to him. I had just gotten away from him. Can I tell you, your life's gonna be dysfunctional until you get this relationship right. All your other relationships are never gonna work until this one gets right. And if that's you, maybe you're at home watching online, you couldn't get here, but that's you. When I count to three, would you just raise your hand? We're gonna lead you in a prayer that will change your life. One, two, three. Is there anyone here today? You say, Justin, that's me. You just lift your hand. There's one hand, there's two hands. Is there anyone else? You join these two hands that are lifted. Before we go any further in service, you say, Justin, that's me. Yeah, I see your hand. There's three hands. Is there anyone else? You say, Justin, that's me. Man, don't miss this moment. You join these three hands that are lifted. Is there anyone else before we go any further? Yeah, I see your hand. There's four hands. Anyone else? Man, God's doing something. Is there anyone else? You join these four hands that are lifted before we go any further in service. We believe God sees a hand and he changes the life. Is there anyone else? You just need change. You need to come back home. Is there anyone else? If you raise your hand, if you please repeat this prayer after me and mean it from your heart. Jesus, I come before you today and I confess that I've sinned and that I've messed up, but I ask for your forgiveness. I ask that your grace and love would enter my life. I turn away from the life that I was living to grab hold of the life you have for me. I confess you, Jesus Christ, to be the Lord and Savior of my life. I'm gonna live for you the rest of my days. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Can we give these four individuals that raise their hands a huge round of applause. Yeah, Foundation Church, what an awesome moment. Hey, this morning, if you raise your hand, we believe everybody in this place has a next step.